There was a time when we were one unified point of consciousness, a singularity that in fractions of a second exploded in a big bang. Since then, life has been evolving exponentially, accelerating. Roughly two million years ago, we started using tools and technologies to extend our abilities. As life continues to evolve exponentially, the Two Parts podcast explores the opportunities of modern day tools and technologies as part of our greater becoming. Welcome. Two Parts podcast is a production of I Am Connected, a digital platform dedicated to the evolution of consciousness. Check us out at IamConnected.com. Today's guest is Nicole Bradford. I first met Nicole uh, through the Transformative Technologies ecosystem. Nicole was looking for someone to support their ecosystem development efforts in Australia, which for me, having worked in the startup and innovation scene for close to a decade before, with a passion for consciousness, it was, it was a great connection. I've got to know Nicole really well over the last four years, and she's someone that I hold in high regard as a leader in this, this technology and human transformation space. Nicole invests as a co-founder and partner at Niamia Collective. It's a seed stage venture fund. She builds community as the co-founder of transformativetechnologies.org, uh, which is a global ecosystem dedicated to educating, gathering, and activating well-being technology founders, investors, and innovators. With 9,000 members in 72 countries, she shapes global thinking as a speaker, futurist, strategist, and author in this space. Nicole is also a senior interactive entertainment executive. She has been responsible for strategy, operations, marketing, and production roles at major brands like uh, Epic Games, Activision Blizzard, Disney, and Vivendi. Nicole led operations for World of Warcraft China and all of Blizzard Entertainment's properties in China, as well as held a key role on the Vivendi Games team responsible for the Activision Blizzard merger, an $18 billion deal and an industry-defining event. She's helped produce events in the metaverse at Epic that broke world records. Nicole's an adjunct professor at Stanford University, a graduate of Singularity University's Global Solutions Program, and has an MBA from Wharton School of Business. She is a university trustee at CIIS and is a fellow at the British American Project. I really revel in the opportunity to sit with Nicole and discuss all things consciousness and technology. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Hello. Hey, Nicole. Hi. <laughs> um, so welcome. Uh, I'm really uh, appreciate you taking time to jump on this, it's really just a chat, you know, we catch up periodically. Um, we both share a passion for positive influence that technology can be on the evolution of humanity, the evolution of consciousness. We're connected through the transformative technology community where you support a community of entrepreneurs and innovators that are building human-centered technologies to help us to evolve. And so, I'm um, taking the opportunity to actually record one of these chats is, is, um, it's exciting for me and hopefully those watching that will get as much value out of it. Before I lead into some it's questions. It's always a pleasure for me to talk to you. It's like always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Nicole. I, um, just doing a little prep for this. I recently read 
reread your mission, like to amplify human intelligence, unlock our collective well, individual and collective potential and usher in a brighter future for everyone through the power of exponential technology. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Like, that's what I want. And I feel like that's why we, that's why we, that's why we vibe together and that's why we connect because we, we do share a lot of similarities in what we're working towards. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start by talking a little about the work that you do um, and how you're supporting people. Mm. Yeah, so um, I, you know, as you mentioned, I think a lot about the future of humanity and human potential, and I write about it to our community. Um, The total footprint, social and email, is about 26,000. And so I write about it, I think about it, and um, I also have started investing. And so I have a venture fund, uh, a micro venture fund that I'm a founding partner in uh, called Neremia. And uh, we invest in wellness and well-being tech. And so I'm in, so I'm thinking, I'm investing, I'm speaking, um, and, uh, just really sort of like leaning into the future. And that community that's essentially made up primarily of entrepreneurs, innovators, and just key stakeholders around this, I guess, well-being tech um, sector. Is that fair to say? Well, I would say that it's made up of builders and builders can be in a lot of places, but it's more of the psychology of people who are really creating and building things. And, you know, we tend to talk to a lot of founders and tech founders um, but, you know, people are at their core builders. So you can be in a corporation and be a builder. You don't have to be a founder to be a builder. Um, so I'd say our community is builders who are building at this intersection of humanity and technology. Yeah, awesome. So tell us a little bit about, for the people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your personal journey that got you to this point. Like, why this? Because I know your background was in gaming. Um, previously World of Warcraft Mm -hmm. and in China. But what got you to this point where this is like the body of work that you're doing, that you're really bringing your purpose Mm to? Yeah, you know, if if you really knew me, you would know that I spent most of my life feeling very alone and very lonely. And so, you know, I um, actually just, it's, it's, um, I'm obsessed with mid journey, uh, you know, AI augmented art creation. And so I recently just made an image of a little black girl inside of a snow globe, sort of separated, you know, from the world by this glass. And, and, um, it's wonderful as a speaker to be able to like make your own images, like to actually like make images that are exactly what you want. And so anyway, I made this image um, and it's really, it's how I felt for most of my life. Like there was just this glass between me and everyone. And, you know, I had for a lot of reasons, you know, really thought that I would always be alone and, and I felt deeply lonely. And you might say that, you know, I, that came from 
being one of the only black children in my elementary and junior high school, junior middle school and junior high school in uh, Texas where I grew up. Or you might say that it came from being a, a geek and a nerd. <laughs> and in all advanced placement classes, um, you know, in uh, a neighborhood where that wasn't necessarily cool. And, but I would say it sort of came from, for a lot of reasons, you know, that's for another time. I decided at a very young age, I would say probably around six, um, that I would have to take care of myself and that I would be on my own. That was child's logic. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. I had parents who took care of me, but that's just how, that was just the conclusion that I came to. And it was really funny. I was thinking about it today. You know, I, um, at 17, I announced to my doting parents that, um, they were, that I would be taking care of myself going forward and that they didn't need to pay for college. Um, mm -hmm. and in fact, they didn't, you know, I mean, they, they would have tried to, I believe. Um, and I went to a, you know, a local public school, so public university, so I'm sure it would have been possible, but, um, you know, it was just, you know, obvious to me at 17 when I graduated from high school that I should be paying for college. <laughs> it's like, anyway, um, so, you know, that's what I, I thought. I thought that I was on my own and I thought that no one would help me and that I would just be alone. And so, you know, I went on my career and, and, you know, it was interesting. It was like, no matter how popular I was or, how many parties I went to or had, or how many partners I had. Um, I always thought that I was, uh, I always felt this like deep loneliness that was very much like a, uh, it was like a low grade fever. It was like a low grade mm -hmm. loneliness that was always running in the background. And then I went on this meditation retreat and the last three days of this meditation retreat, I actually, felt the web of life. Like I felt connected to everything. And it was, you know, it was, um, so different than the way I had felt, uh, you know, for my entire life that I sort of lunged for it. So, you know, I was a rising executive in games. I ran a big $250 million business in China. And I, uh, within a year had left it all and moved to San Francisco, uh, which is the place where there's the largest number of people who are both interested in consciousness and tech. And, you know, and I sort of, you know, set out to, um, understand and explore to find like this connection. And so I started with, you know, of course I looked at it you know, spiritually and psychologically and did a lot of, you know, work and exploration. But I also looked at it technically or technologically um, because I believed that, you know, everyone should have access to it. And, you know, because of loving science fiction and technology since I was a child, I had this deep belief that that is the way we create um, tools that are available to all. 
And I think also maybe because I felt so alone, um, I wanted everyone to have access to all of the good things. Um, you know, probably, you know, definitely myself, but, you know, I really saw myself as, um, you know, one of just many people. So um, with that, I moved to the Bay and I started Transformative Tech. And, um, you know, initially with two found two co-founders, Mikey Siegel and Jeffrey Martin. And, um, and then eventually I just started organizing a lot of the conferences and ultimately sort of did those on my own. And um, it was always sort of like pushing at the edge of human potential as defined by mental health, social health, and emotional health. And, you know, initially, you know, the world thought that I was insane. You know, a bunch of my game friends wanted to do an intervention because I like left this sort of like golden path. Um, and I, you know, and when I first started out, it was before Calm as the meditation app, meditation was still weird. Um, yoga was just taking off. Um, and so I would talk about, you know, scalable tools uh, for stress, anxiety, depression, connection, purpose, belief. Uh, and most people thought I was crazy. You didn't, you showed up pretty early, um, but a lot of other people thought I was crazy. And uh, it just wasn't, you know, people started to believe in mental health and tech uh, when it became clear that, you know, uh, there was a problem and it wasn't going away. And it wasn't just a few people, it was lots of people. Um, there was just a study, Gallup just put out a study on the rise of global unhappiness. Um, and a lot of people think that the mental health and unhappiness issues that we have right now started during the pandemic. This is not true. It's been rising for the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so, but what did happen with the pandemic is, you know, I went from being crazy to being, you know, a right. later. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not the way you want to be right, but right. And, you know, with the world embracing this and, and it's funny, it's like the other day I was pitching LPs and, um, you know, it was just really stunning. Not one of them, you know, argued with me about the importance of mental, social, and emotional health. And I remember just like three years ago, people being like, yeah, well, is that really a big market? <laughs> you know, like they all were like, what are you investing in? You know, like, tell us about what you picked. Um, this is needed. And so that is, uh, you know, that's extraordinary, uh, you know, that the pandemic really put a point, a fine point for many people on one, mental health, but two, the importance of connectedness remotely because work, the world of work is not going back to what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it did, as asked about it, um, the pandemic, what I um, appreciate, one of the things uh, coming into transformative tech is that the, the, like the frameworks and the structures that you bring to it. And like, I know mm -hmm. a lot of the world at the moment is still in this um, mental health well-being crisis. And that has become evident as you highlighted, but there's a continuation beyond that and beyond just mental health, beyond just well-being. 
and the technologies that are being built within the community uh, can support across this this spectrum of well-being and, and 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 becoming more than we are and so that's that's really exciting to me is like when we talk about technology as tools like we've used tools and um throughout you know for millions of years to extend our abilities and right now applying these tools these technologies to mental health and well-being is really pertinent and there's a, there's a growing market for it but i feel like it also brings us early to the party when we look at well where can technology take us um as a as like human intelligence and extending our our abilities and in helping us to become our greater becoming and that's like the, the crux of what this podcast is is really these conversations are is like well what is it that we can become and how does technology hinder that and how does technology help that and that's where i i really fell into transformative tech because like you i suffered well i felt a sense of suffering in my own way growing up and it, and it was um meditation also for me that helped me to move beyond that suffering and wanting that with, with other people and wanting to share that with other people but it was at a time where people you talk meditation in a business setting their eyes would either glaze over or they would roll back in their heads and so then i started doing a looking at the science like trying to come at it from a logical like point of view to legitimize why people should be meditating and in that startup innovation space for a number of like, almost a decade and so it was a, a breath of fresh air, fresh air meeting you and the transformative technology community and getting involved and seeing that there were other people out there that could see what i see and like i mentioned we are early to the party like this continuum that framework it's a framework you introduced to me like this continuum like well-being spectrum is really exciting to me and so like in the in the work that you're doing um if we can talk about like what do you see as the opportunities like we are like the content that you've been putting out in terms of to your the builders that are out there within the transformative technology you're helping to share, share with them like frameworks and how we apply these emerging technologies to building human-centered technologies i just if you could just talk about some of the challenges and opportunities and concerns that you see like as we look forward into this space of you know technology mm -hmm. and 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 the humanness mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think uh, a part of it is sort of tied to what I'm looking at next. So, you know, after the pandemic sort of proved the, hey, mental, social, and emotional health is important and technology can support us in that and in fact must, um, you know, a lot of people have come into the space, you know, and like I was just talking to the people at um, health and they've started a well-being stage uh, or well, well-being tech and wellness stage. Um, and so it's gotten mainstream. What was like, what was niche was mainstream. And, 
you know, and when I think about, and also the other thing that's happened is that it started to get really segmented. So there's like a behavioral tech summit and there's, mm. you know, there's like specialized summits. And I think for me, what was always interesting is that I felt like these things were, um, these things were really interconnected. I don't think that they can be siloed, but I think, you know, whenever something matures, um, people start to specialize. And so we're seeing that, and I think that's great. So I spent a lot of time thinking about, well, you know, where do I place my time and effort? And I then started thinking about, well, okay, what do I think is next? What do I think is coming right next? And so what I'm, you know, really focused on and obsessed with now is, you know, essentially, um, embodied, well, embodied and extended cognition, uh, human thinking, and um, sensory perception. And I think that the next round of interventions are really gonna be based around this. And so what human thinking is, is basically, whenever human beings are in a, in a space together, um, and if they have affinity, um, then their bio, uh, data starts to, or their biosignals start to align. So heart variability, galvanic skin conductance, um, respiration. And the other thing that happens is that their, um, even their gamma brain waves will start to align, uh, will start to coalesce. And this has been observed repeatedly. Like this is, this is a scientific fact at this point. Now, the what and the why and the how, uh, you know, to be understood. But the fact that it happens, it happens uh, repeatedly. Um, there's even things like, you know, people who are in a theater in a row who don't even know each other will start to do it. Um, and so, or it will start to happen, let me put it like that. Um, and, you know, the, we had a guy at a conference a couple of years ago uh, named Kazuyano, and he's a Hitachi fellow. And he's run this on over 10 million, or collected over 10 million data bits of uh, groups of people um, and basically syncing. Uh, we also, our facial expressions sync, you know, you have eight expressions you control, but you have over 122 facial expressions. And so when we're in affinity, we start to uh, uh, our bio data starts to sink, and then we start to move in ways that are not really perception, you know, the humans don't really see, uh, but it happens. And so Kazu calls it dancing. We dance. So we were all always dancing with one another. Something recently that just happened, it's a study that came out just four weeks ago, uh, is brain-to-brain -brain entrainment. So for the first time, um, this kind of sinking happening at a distance online without audio or visual connection. And so the way that it happened was basically um, people playing a video game together where they have no communication except one is driving, one is accelerating. So one is steering, one is accelerating. And with that kind of collaboration, um, they started to have 
at a distance in separate rooms, couldn't see each other, couldn't hear each other, couldn't speak to each other. Um, they started to um, have gamma brain waves coalesce, which is wow. extraordinary. Like if you, yeah. if you think about the level of digitization and the metaverse and all of these things, you know, if we can get intentional about doing that and, and human thinking matters because it's really tied to pro-social behavior. And yeah. it's also tied to um, the designation of in-group and out-of-group. Yeah. You know, and if you think about a lot of the problems in the world today, much of it is about us saying like who's in, who's out. So I think human thinking is really fascinating. Um, and then, you know, it's embodied and extended cognition, like your brain is in your skull, but your mind is throughout your body and your environment. Um, and then, you know, um, you know, we're, there's that, like, there's a thing out there that we're kind of brains in jars. Um, but yeah. actually so much of our cognition is tied to our sensory perception. Um, and we can't perceive everything. I think I shared with you that book on uh, fitness favors uh, or uh, evolution favors fitness, not reality. Uh, and I so I just think reality. with these three things, we can really start to um, expand our sense of, you know, what's going on, especially one another and, um, and really also expand our overall intelligence. Yeah, so just dropping on um, the uh, human thinking, like, like that's what we were poor building, like back in the day in, in business training, like in terms of sales, in terms of building rapport, we were taught to, um, to get into rapport, you can consciously actually start mirroring somebody's behavior and then you find yourself in rapport with, with somebody. And so really it's exciting to see where the technology is going and you know, the research is going in, in terms of validating that. And so what does that mean like for the future? Like what does that look like moving forward? And I know you mentioned in terms of inclusion, but what, what is that? What do you see? Where do you see that human thinking going? Well, I mean, one thing, um, I think about a little bit different than the, um, you know, um, cause there was this whole period of like sales cycling around, like I do, you do this, I do this yeah. and that sort of thing. I think more so it's, um, human beings need to realize that, um, you cannot hide. Like we cannot hide. We can't hide whether, you know, there's sort of like, you know, there are no universal emotions, but like emotion, the new science of emotion is that, you know, our emotions are constructed every moment. Um, so what I think the facial expression of anger is might not be what your facial expression looks like when you're angry. Um, but you know, when people are in the same culture, um, certainly the same company or community or whatever, um, a lot of times it's sort of two big buckets of pleasant and unpleasant and all of this like sinking sort of lines up in these ways. And so, you know, the reality is that if you're feeling unpleasant, um, you can't hide it. So, you know, I might be upset about, you know, the cat threw up on my shoes and I come into the office and I don't 
have the ability or I haven't practiced the ability to shift, um, you know, my psychological state. Um, the reality is, is that all of that gets broadcast out and people make up their own stories about what that means. Yeah. But, you know, we're broadcasting constantly. And just because you think that you're not, you're like anyone who thinks that they're not broadcasting their interior state, uh, you know, which whether or not it gets interpreted rightly or wrongly, who knows, but anyone who thinks they're not broadcasting their interior state doesn't actually understand um, yep. what's happening. And, uh, and so I think that the big thing about us, like knowing that we are, and then asking the question, if we know that we're broadcasting, then what skills are we, you know, what skills does that demand that we develop in this new world uh, where not only do we apparently broadcast in person, but potentially we broadcast digitally. Yeah. I think we've all had that experience of um, meeting someone and just having a felt sense of what, um, like positive or negative, their, their, their vibe. And, and so like as technology mm -hmm. starts to measure and research starts to measure and the ways in which we do sync, I'm just like wondering what the application for this might be. Like what the future of that might be moving forward. Like, is it that we start like group flow? Like, is it that we realize that we're one human um, becoming, or is it like that we just be more efficient in our workplaces or like, what is, what is the, the value around yeah. thinking moving forward? Well, I mean, I think it's all, I, I don't know how much it can be really separated. I think human thinking, embodied cognition, embodied and extended cognition and sensory perception are all, I mean, I think the application is all in a bundle. And I think the bundle is, um, you know, really, I think the bundle comes down or, or where it benefits and where it should go is really understanding uh, which will allow us to measure um, because sometimes measuring gives you understanding and sometimes understanding gives you measuring. So it's just that first chunk. Then the second part is about um, amplifying or maybe in some cases downscaling uh, the signals. Um, uh, you know, maybe downscaling it for resilience and stress relief or upscaling it for, you know, uh, increased sort of like awareness of, you know, one another and, and our planet. Uh, and then the last part is sort of, um, you know, understanding what does it mean to optimize the, you know, that combination, those three things and, um, to optimize and then also to personalize, uh, because humans are really so very different. And so using that combination of things. Um, and so, so one, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I find that I always get lemon face when I think about the way, like in many conversations that I hear about AI, especially advanced general intelligence, um, and they're sort of, 
you know, uh, whether people, um, whether people think that AI is not an issue or that think it's going to kill us or a bunch of other things, there is this sort of like, I think maybe almost even like a ignoring or a laziness around human intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, or like, you know, let's just figure out how to load chips in our brains. And, and certainly, you know, 20 years from now, we're all going to have chips in our brains, many of us. But right now, today, we have an unused resource or an yeah. unfully leveraged resources, which is this biological system that we have that has a vast amount of intelligence that we don't actually even understand. Um, and technology and, to you know, a lot of never really applied our, our, yeah, we've never really applied our creativity and our technology to understanding this and then amplifying this. Um, And so I think how this will show up in the future is, I think we'll be a lot smarter. I think we'll be a lot happier. I think we'll be a lot more connected. Um, I think we have a better chance of being prepared for actual, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, actual, you know, advanced general intelligence. Um, And then, you know, I think that, I mean, ultimately, I think that, you know, I think a lot about um, everyone. And so, you know, and just from my own personal experience of having, of just the way a tiny taste of the web of life changed my life, uh, or I chose to change my life after having a tiny taste of the web of life. And so I think that, um, I think this can go a long way towards, um, practically allowing people to perceive and understand that interconnectedness that we have. And then if they embrace it practically, then I think it increases the likelihood of them embracing it spiritually. And if they embrace it spiritually, um, the thing about the web of life is that it is filled with love. And with that sort of orientation, I don't think that, you know, any of our existential problems that humanity is facing from climate or otherwise is actually that much of a problem. I think we can figure it out. Yeah. And in that, like, I think that's an important component as we move into like the, the concept of, um, AGI in that, um, it's an extension of our consciousness and the need to actually really level up um, human consciousness and, and understanding and connecting to that web of life so that we use, we build technologies that are an extension of our consciousness and help us to evolve in positive ways, whether integrating with it or not. And I love something that you wrote recently, which was, um, in, in terms of like extending human intelligence or focus around human intelligence that you said that it could also be a place where un- unobstructed by physicality, we are able to reaccess the part of our consciousness and perception that evolution demanded we limit to survive, which, <laughs> yeah. So it's really stepping into those abilities, like to see like butterflies, to navigate like birds, to smell like dogs, to feel one another's heartbeats at a concert, uh, to hear that the mycelium network beneath the forest floor. These are your words, understand whale song and so much more. It's like for our human evolution, we had to evolve those out, but there's other obviously 
aspects of the world of life, animals and trees and so forth that heighten those. And so to how does technology play a part in helping us to reaccess those and expand our human experience? And so as I read your stuff, I yeah. really see how, and that's where like, coming into transformative technology get really exciting. It's really like it's, it's amplifying what we already have access to or reconnecting with what we already have access to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's funny, the, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in meditation and, yeah. um, you know, I think at this, I think this year alone, I haven't, I don't, I no longer use a timer, but just sort of like judging, um, I would say by the time I finish this year, I will finish up at probably 300 hours <laughs> meditation this year. Like, just like, that's a lot of time, right? Um, yeah. It's not long no, time, right. but it's more than the average bear. Smart executive, um, that's a lot of And time. so, <laughs> yeah. And so um, I've had, like, I've just had experiences that, you know, I've had experiences that I cannot, you know, that, yeah. that do not look like the everyday. You know, I had, was really fortunate to sit with uh, the Tibetan bond teacher, uh, Dan Brown, who was passed away at the beginning of this year. And I was really fortunate I sat with him three times, which is like, you know, I feel so fortunate. And... Um, Dan, at one point, you know, in the Tibetan style, it's uh, a big part of it is objectless object. Um, and with that, you are building towards uh, vast ocean-like awareness. And um, it's funny, one of the rungs on the ladder to vast ocean-like awareness is unhooking your mind from time. And it's very practical the way he approaches it. I mean, he really sort of takes you through it step by step by step. And, um, and when we got to that rung on the ladder, which I think is extraordinary too, because it's, it's not the end state. It is not the big show. It is, um, you know, it is just one of the things that gets you to the social like awareness. And so when we got there and I did what he told me to do, which he just laid it out step by step. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't a miracle. Uh, yeah. the floor moved up the side of the wall, like inception. Like that was my experience and it's an eyes open meditation. So I'm not closing my eyes and imagining things. I'm not, um, you know, substance free, like none of these retreats you go on, you know, is that allowed or tolerated? Um, so like no substances, no eyes closed. So it's not like a dream state and the floor moved up the side of the wall because if you unhook your mind from time, then you unhook your mind from space. And right. that wow. was my perception. That's how I perceived through my eyes uh, for, it took about three or four hours for it to wear off. Um, and so, you know, I think when you read sort of a lot of the, the writings of the ancients um, around the world, and when they talk about cities and a bunch of other things, I think they're just describing how butterflies see 
and dogs smell and bats locate. I think they're just describing the reality that uh, human beings had to dump in order to uh, survive. And so the opportunity is to um, use technology to, well, it's not just technology, not, like I'm a meditator as well, and I'm probably close to 300 hours as well, typically an hour a day. And for me, it's just so nourishing to step out of the conditioned reality, not to the extent where I was seeing walls go, um, the floor got walls or like go vertical like you, but to really, um, step out of that internal dialogue and really sit in the stillness. And so that, um, that's powerful, you know, in its own right. And then, so I guess looking at the two paths, like do, how do we go deep? Is it about going deeper into that and pushing against technology or is it a, an integration? How does technology help to accentuate that? Like what's, Obviously, you're in the technology I mean, I think, space. I think, I think it's a collaboration. I think a couple of things. I think that I think what's actually exciting is technology is driving us to fulfill our potential. So, on yeah. one hand, you 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 must um, do some pretty basic things in order to survive the tech, and that includes you must learn cognitive load management, like you must. Um, What's and the other mean? thing it's you must learn, What's that mean? it's basically, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much because it's okay. not the point I want to make, but, um, you know, uh, cognitive load is a thing. It's how much you can focus on at a time. Um, okay. and it can be managed and learning how to manage it, um, allows you to direct it and gives you more space. Um, yep. And so in this world of a lot of distraction, one must learn how to do that. Um, that's a basic skill. It's like swimming. Ooh, that's a good analogy. Oh, I'm going to use that in a talk. It's like swimming, just like every parent wants their children to learn how to swim in case you fall into a pool mm. or anything like that. Um, we have to learn to swim in the river of tech. Um, and so cognitive load management is one. Uh, the second big skill is um, what I call, uh, it's sort of um, the second big skill in the age of networks, which is where we are, um, is to separate identity from status. Like that is like, if you can't separate identity from status in this modern world, um, you will yeah. suffer. And yeah. that's because, you know, not only are we in one network, we're actually in dozens and the human mind or the human, mm, hu there's a human orientation towards status checking and, and it's natural. Like it didn't just happen with Facebook, like we're status mm. checking from the Serengeti, you know, mm. who, you know, because your status is what gave you access to mates, food and allies to secure access mates and food. So it's very basic. We're wired right. to check status. Yeah. The lack of status could see you and at so now we're in this tribe. Yeah. Lack of status meant death. And so, yeah. 
you know, we're in a world now where you're not just in one network, which was your village, but um, you can get on LinkedIn and see how you rate up professionally. You can go on Zillow and find out how much your neighbor paid for their house. You can, um, you can, every time you get into a loop, an Uber or a Lyft, even though you think you don't care, you get presented with your status in terms of like what type of star rider you are. Um, you know, Yelp, uh, the status of if you have a business, people are grading you all the time. And so we're just constantly like everyone is visible, which is the beauty of the networks. People get opportunities that they never got before. Like dating has fundamentally changed the fabric of the digital dating has changed the fabric of the U.S. Because people from different socioeconomic groups who never would have met are meeting and getting married. Um, and uh, people from different parts of the country who never would have met are meeting and getting married. Um, so there's a lot of really interesting studies of the effect of dating apps on social structure. Um, and so it's wonderful, but it also means when everyone's visible, everyone's rateable. And that rateability leans right up against our um, status checking orientation for survival. And so the modern skill set um, is that you like you cannot uh, not suffer in this modern world if you don't learn how to separate identity from status. And in order to do that, you have to do the work. You have to discover who you are. You have to become a real person. You have to like you have to do the work. Um, that it takes to break that tie so that you can have status without being your status, you know, um, and you can decide what status matters to you most and that it's a choice. So those two modern skills um, are essential for um, the, the tech world. So I think in one hand, um, the technology is really driving us. It's, you know, in a way, if you stand back, you know, something that's forcing people to do the inner work to separate identity from status and is forcing people uh, to develop the kind of inner sensitivity that allows them to manage their cognitive load, which has a ton of other downstream effects of like being able to feel a sensation that then is becoming an emotion. So it's sort of like all of this is like driving people towards a uh, greater potential. And then on the other side, it's like, well, okay, this is the world we live in. Nothing's going back. We're not going, we're not going back to, you know, uh, like we're not all going to be Amish. Like that's not yeah. happening. And so yeah. with that, then it's like, well, how do we use it? What's next? Because what's happening is the software line continues to rise and tasks continue to be done by software and what's left are the human tasks. So, you know, that's people solving problems together and creating things together. Um, and building things together. And so we have to get better and better at that. Um, and that's really exciting. Like yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him about uh, Midjourney, which is this AI image, augmented image maker. And what's amazing about it is that it's like, it has a, 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 a shared room where I can make something and it's visible to 2 million people and they can take what I made and build on it. And so um, my friend and I were in there where I showed it to him. Um, and I, so I opened my Zoom and showed it to him and I said, let's make an image. 
you know, and we just started talking and I started building out the, the words and the prompts and we made an image together and it was wonderful. It was so connected uh, to do it. And we were augmented by AI. We were able to be creative um, together. And, and I was like, how about this word? And he was like, no, try this word. Um, and we saw what we created and then we adjusted it and it was beautiful. Um, and so that's really just the beginning. And so I think we can really use the tech. Um, you know, we have to develop some basic skills to live with it, um, but we can use it. Um, and that's what's exciting. So I think it's a terribly exciting time. Um, I think we're being forced to change. Um, I don't think that the outcome is written yet, which is why people like you and people like me have to keep doing what we're doing. Um, so, but I, I think it's exciting. Yeah, particularly as we move into this, the digital realm, into the metaverse, into virtual worlds, um, and even like potentially moving beyond our biology. Like what comes up for you when, with, with the thought of that, like in a transhuman, post-human world? I'm not incredibly interested. You know, I, um, you know, it's funny. It's like, I am, um, compared to most people, I'm really out there future wise, but in compared to some of the people who are thinking a lot about uploading brains and stuff like that, I'm a little bit more practical in the sense that like, we've got these bodies, we have these bodies and we have these problems, you know, so let's attend to what is present. Yeah. And right now we can start, you know, it's sort of like when I think of embodied and extended cognition, you know, the, the neuroscience on it is quite deep, but the application of it is still quite narrow. Um, and, you know, from my observation of human creativity and ingenuity, whenever we decide to solve things or when we, we get charmed by something and start working on it, um, we create so quickly. And so I think we have these bodies right now and these problems right now um, and lots of technology right now that we haven't pointed at ourselves to this end. Um, and so I think the low hanging fruit is here and that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen though to just get your thoughts on, because uh, we talk about the web of life and like that web of life potentially has been evolving for 13.8 billion years or at least you know, four and a half billion years since on, on planet earth four or five million years ago our predecessors stood up and so homo sapiens 300,000 years at modern civilization uh 12 and a half thousand years and it seems like to me like when we talk about exponential technology like life itself is on this exponential curve that's was is, that's and we're a long way up that curve and it's accelerating and potentially like, as we talk about, um, like the, the realizing our greater potential, if we consider ourselves like not human, but that consciousness of life itself, then maybe like being over identified with the human is a limitation for what we can truly become in a potentially post-human upload brain world. What's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, again, I, you know, um, I don't really think that much about it. Um, you know, I mean, sure, you know, I think that we're way more than our, like, I think we're way more than, you know, uh, we're way beyond this physical, you know, realm. But I also think that, you know, advanced general intelligence is coming. And I think what, you know, if you think, talk about sort of like what's beyond this realm, then, you know, I think what we're really good at is pulling things in from the field, but we do it inconsistently. We don't know how to do it. We don't know who we are. And I think uh, we better figure out who we are and how to, you know, consistently access the field uh, before um, advanced general intelligence really shows up uh, because we're going to have to work out a partnership. Uh, and I think that our bodies, our actual bodies, are a part of that. Our connection to, you know, the physical world is a part of our ability to uh, pull things in. Um, and so I think if we give that up, then, you know, we're not going to have a great card to trade in 25 years. Now, that being said, when, we, when, when you're gone from this lair or when you're gone from this life and you're gone from this life, I have no idea what happens next. Um, you know, I do believe that, you know, from my experiences with the web and feeling it, you know, I feel like we've always been together. Um, so I don't, where I used to feel, where at times I can still feel lonely, I know I now never feel alone because I feel that interconnection at all times. Um, now where I used to have a, a low-grade loneliness. Now I have a low grade connectedness. Um, and so I'm not worried and I'm not attached. Um, but I enjoy the puzzle. Um, and, and I think that's where we're at right now. So I, you know, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, um, do we need to shed the skin or not, uh, to become our fullest selves? I think we already are our fullest selves. Um, you know, and we just have to discover that. Yeah, I feel like like that in this form, finding that wholeness um, is, is a really important step as we, no matter where technology is taking us, because if we don't have that connection to self or connection to that, that sense of wholeness within, well, then we'll just push our problems into our technology, technology space and they'll be accentuated in there because everything will move faster and quicker. And so well, perhaps the, that's work, the game. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's the game. Is to do the work here in this human form and then use the technology to be an extension of what that might be. No, is that what you I mean? think or? it's sort of like, no, I mean, it, uh, what I mean by that is, um, just to, um, to understand the puzzle, um, yeah. and to find the balance and maybe that is just it, you know, and, and it's the joy of being, you know, in this life, you know, it's, it's that, it's the joyousness of that. Um, you know, I really like, I, I really don't feel any. You know, I feel a strong sense of purpose, but, you know, I, 
you know, I don't feel a strong sense of attachment. Um, yeah. You know, I do what I do because it's the puzzle that I'm here to solve with the life force that I have, um, you know, in the time that I have in this form. Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I feel like we all have a seed of potential within. We're all a unique part of a greater whole. I draw comfort yeah. from the the original singularity. Um, as far as I understand, science is still validating a, a big bang where everything was in a single point, which exploded. So we were all connected. We were all interconnected. And I feel like the separation that a lot of us feel is we were all one unified point of consciousness, one unified point of something that exploded in fractions of a second into separation, which has been evolving since that point. And it's our ability to be able to reconnect to that underlying flow of everything creates that wholeness. And so those that feel disconnected from that, that are, that are creating ultimately creating, trying to find a way back to that wholeness when that wholeness is already here. What's exciting for me as I think about the next 20 years is imagining a world where we were, we are, we do feel connected. Like you were saying that underlying sense of, of okayness of well-being, And then from there, what will we create if we're not using or building technologies to, to feel, to find ourselves and to, to heal ourselves, not heal ourselves, but to, um, like to consume stuff in the hope that that is the thing that's going to fill us when really that wholeness, that energy is all around us. It's in us. It's, it is us. And it's the realization of that, which is a beautiful feeling. And that's for me, meditation helps with that connection to that. And then from there, it's like, what will we build then? Yeah, I think one, you know, in, I think one important thing is that we aren't really that separate from our creations. Yeah, you know, like they, like, there. What if there is not actually a duality? You know, like it's not like we're using technology, you know, this external wedge to find ourselves. We made it. Yeah, you know, it's it's a part of us. The question is, like, how do we use? all of our creations, whether it's our relationships, whether it's, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves, whether it's the technologies that we build, how do we use all of our creations uh, to get closer to wholeness? Yeah. And, and then explore deeper into what is the potential then? It's like in an infinite world, like then what, and then what, and then what, what's, um, what does a utopian future look like for you? Like over the next 20 years, mm, how do you like, define utopian? I guess like there's dystopian might be the, the thought of like the, the matrix type future as we move into a digital realm or the ready player one or like. So less than desirable futures, the Terminator scenario, like what, what can technology be, I guess, for us as we create technology as an extension of ourselves and tools to help us um, to 
realize well, that potential? I think that um, I'm incredibly excited by um, I'm incredibly excited by the metaverse and crypto. And the yeah. reason why is not really because I'm into the metaverse or crypto, but because I think that um, there are three layers to the world. There's the physical layer, there's the transformative or the visible world. Let me put it that way. There's the physical layer, there's the transformative augmented layer where data goes up and down. And then there's the fully digital layers where the digital twins are, whether it's 23andMe or a digital twin of a city, and then that's where also the games are, the AI is, crypto and whatever. Um, and, you know, my view is I think that um, the best outcome for this evolutionary window for us or period is for, you know, those layers to be integrated. I think there's today there's a lot of technology that does not insist that people spend time with other people or go outside or a bunch of other things, but I think we can. Um, so yeah. I think it's a it's an integrated ecosystem. And in order for it to be a full ecosystem, it means that the digital layers must be populated. And so if, you know, uh, if crypto greed and escapism is what, you know, gets people into the digital layer so that the digital layer, the augmented layer, and the physical layer are fully populated, um, then, you know, I think it's uh, zooming out. I think it's um, okay, because what I think will happen are things like brain-to-brain -brain entrainment at a distance, us understanding that, using technology mm -hmm. to fully understand embodied and extended cognition, which happens on the physical layer. And this entire ecosystem is, you know, together what helps evolve us uh, to a place where maybe like this, like it's insufficient for 10 people to feel the web of life out of eight and a half billion. Yeah. It's insufficient, yeah. you know, yeah. and there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you know, you know, there's like 30 of these particular type of people will shift the world. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not the person who's working on that. You know, I think there's a lot of like religious communities that are working on that in their own thing. You know, I have no desire to, uh, you know, I have no desire to take on the banner of a religious community, though I respect and appreciate them. That's not my calling. I am very interested. I think about the problem of like, how do we move eight and a half billion, you know, and meet them where they're at? That's what I'm interested in. And that's the little black girl from Houston, Texas, that's interested in that. Um, and so, you know, I really see it as like, you know, on a football team, you don't have, you know, 25 wide receivers. Like everybody's got a different position that they yeah. play. Um, and so, you know, understanding this integration between technology and humanity is the position I play. Um, and yeah. I have a lot of appreciation, I have so much respect and appreciation for like Tristan Harris and his work and, you know, the spiritual leaders that I spent a lot of time with and their work, but that's not my work. My work is to find out how do we actually use our creations to uh, point us towards wholeness so that mm -hmm. as many people out of the eight and a half billion as possible can, you know, practically 
and then potentially spiritually, but I'm focused on the practically part. I get a taste of the web of life uh, in however they need to taste it. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate that, that um, using technology to help bring people into wholeness. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this chat is like that well-being spectrum um, and it's moving beyond mental health, well-being, human performance, human potential, and like wholeness, like, and then when we're feeling whole, then it's like, then what will we, what technologies will we build and how will we explore ourselves and how we, what will we know? You know, for me, that's really exciting. And that's the, I guess the utopian future that I, and working for working towards is helping people to wake up and reconnect to that underlying sense of that underlying web of life. And then it's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm whole now. I don't need this stuff to try to make me whole. What would I build? Yeah. How do I want to express myself in this well, experience? Yeah. I mean, maybe some of the things that we will do is we'll, you know, we will, um, I mean, I think, you know, first step is climate. Like yeah. that's the, like, that's like first step is climate. Uh, second step is, um, you know, second step is it's not necessarily, you know, like income inequality presupposes that currency maintains a thing, you know, remains a thing. You know? Yeah. So it's sort of like, um, it's really, really present. It's really important. I'm not saying it's not because that's a framework that we're in, but a lot of the thinking around income inequality presupposes that um, fiat remains what it is today. Um, and so on the other side of that, it's like, do we have enough access for food, water, healthcare? You know, today mm -hmm. income inequality uh, puts a price on those things and says, these people don't have enough income to get these things. But if we can get these things anyway, you know, um, in other ways, then it isn't, you know, it's, it's actually what's up underneath income inequality as opposed to, you know, I have $5 and you have 10. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think, you know, really like getting to like cleaning up the environment uh, really unlocking the the brain and the body and feeling like, um, you know, that belongs to all humanity. So we can have, you know, not universal sick care, but actually health, you know, and like figuring out, like, how do you actually do that, um, yeah. you know, in a wider scale? How do we, you know, have, uh, have it so everyone has access to clean, good food and clean water? Like, that's the, like, that's the underlying part um, so I think, you know, when we, uh, when we change and we, you know, stop, you know, dragging along a lot of these, you know, old things that we used to think and feel, um, I think that, um, we'll get a lot better at solving these things. And, yeah, totally. Oh, and look, and it's perfect timing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like a big, like, mic drop. You're awesome, Nicole. I appreciate the work that you do. And I'm always inspired by you and, 
and um, the connections that you make and the information that you bring into a like a, a thought leadership. And so I love following your work and obviously uh, I'll post in the, in the show notes here and just, and as I share this conversation, um, how to connect, contact with you um, through the transformative technology network. Is there anything else hey. you want to say before we wrap? Nope. nope. Other than I appreciate you. Oh, thanks. I, um, I feel a kindred spirit in you and um, I love, I'm excited to continue to share. Like for me, what I'm doing is, is a 20 year journey. I want to do this for the next 20 years. Cause like you, like, this is my flower. This is my becoming. This is like why I'm here. And, um, like I said, I feel like we're early to the party still and where this is going in terms of the ways that we will be able to apply technology. I feel like to some extent we, we can't even know what that could look like because we, as we go into a metaverse, it's like worlds within worlds within worlds within worlds within, but not losing sight of this current reality either. Anyway, you got to go. Much love. Yeah. I appreciate you. We'll talk so again. much love. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for interviewing me or the, actually just the discussion. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Bye. Two Paths Podcast is a production of I Am Connected, a digital platform dedicated to the evolution of consciousness. Check us out at IamConnected.com.